Hi, I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg, and we're the co-founders of The Skim. Welcome to our podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. On every episode, we invite smart, inspiring, successful women to chat candidly about what it takes to get to the top, and then what it's like when you actually get there. So this is a podcast about the real stuff, the crappy days, the bad advice, the first big career win, and the people who are there for the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. We started the skim from a couch, and we have only one rule on this one, no BS. Join us in welcoming our guest, Shan Lin Ma. She is the founder and CEO of Zola, the wedding registry company she started in 2013 after leaving a job at Guilt Group. Zola has been used by over 300,000 couples, and I think all of my friends are part of that. I've definitely (laughs) spent a lot of money on your site. Uh, The company's reinventing the wedding registry industry for modern brides, but that's only part of the reason why we wanted her to come chat with us on the couch today. The other is to talk about the real stuff, what's behind her success story. So let's get down to business. Shan, welcome to the couch. Thank you for having me. We're really excited to have you here. We want to jump right in. I think one thing that we always think about when we kind of look back in our story of starting the skim is that we always say that the company was inspired from our friends, their needs, uh, what we saw there day to day, the questions we were getting asked. And when I was reading about you, I kept thinking the same thing. So how did you get the idea? Where did it come from? And where were you like in your life when you had this idea? Yeah, Zola is 100% inspired by my friends. And the year that we started Zola, which was 2013, was that year in my life when all my friends got married at exactly the same time. And I think we've all had that year where it feels like you're going to a wedding every single weekend and your entire income goes to buying a lot of wedding gifts. And I was finding myself shopping from my friends' wedding registries. They were my best friends. I wanted to get them a really meaningful gift that really reflected what they meant to me and thought that a lot of the registries that I was buying from was just the worst e-commerce shopping experiences I had ever seen. And my working background was in e-commerce in product management. So I had spent the previous four years working at Guilt Group, which was one of the early e-commerce companies here in New York. And we had really focused on how do we build the best shopping experience that's beautiful, easy, and fun. And it was a stark contrast when I started to buy from these department store registries that I thought this is the exact opposite of being easy, fun, and beautiful. And it shouldn't be like that. It was insulting to my friends. And the more that I dug into it, the more I realized this was a huge and interesting opportunity. So before we kind of get more into to Zola and kind of your journey with it, um, one of the things that strikes me is that um, just your background and that you had worked at Guilt. And so I kind of want to dig into that a little bit because when we hire employees, my like go-to interview question to anyone is, what do you want to get out of this? Or it's a, whatever your answer is, it's fine. But if you want to be a COO one day, I want to know. If you want to be a CMO one day, if you're like, I actually want to be a founder. Um, and I think it's just important for us to know. So I'm curious, did you ever have that conversation with whoever hired you at Guilt? And did you know that you wanted to start your own company? I've always personally known that I would love to start my own company at some point. And it's, I think, you know, many people kind of dream of what they're going to become when they grow up. And it was always my dream to create 
to create either a product or a company that had an impact on people. Um, just as a, a very nerdy side note, you know, a lot we of people. We love nerdy side note. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure many of us might have pinned pictures of uh, idols or of crushes on our bedroom wall. And I had on my bedroom wall growing up a photo of Jerry Yang, who <laughs> was, for those of you who don't know, was the founder of Yahoo and one of the oh God, pioneers. It's really funny because at first I was like, oh, are we talking about Pinterest? Because that's that's a little over my head. Like, so, yes, I definitely did the actual like taping on the walls, except for it was mainly like Leonardo DiCaprio at that time. So that's very impressive. And and so that 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 was um that was the the early ambition and and then at guilt i think the thing that really excited me and what i talked about when i was interviewing there i remember that i wanted to work on a product that so many people loved and and that they used every single day what were you hired to do at guilt so i joined as the first product person okay. when guilt had just launched it was a few months old and up until then it was um, it had a few flash sales mm-hmm. per week. Uh, it was a site that had been largely built and designed by the founding team, by both the CTO and the mm-hmm. really all the founders. And um, while it was beautiful and inspiring and fun, it wasn't scaling to mm-hmm. what it really needed to do. And you became very entrepreneurial at Gilt, which I, I kind of love this. If you want to tell us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, I think the one of the the best parts about working at Guilt, and and I think it's this way in any fast-growing company, is that if the company is growing really quickly, there's always a lot of opportunities to take on more things that you might never have done before, that you might not have been able to do at a bigger company because they might have wanted to trust it to someone who's actually done it before. So at Guilt, because it was growing so quickly, they just needed smart people to take on anything that you saw needed to be done. And what that meant that I was able to do was be the product lead on a lot of the new categories that Guilt was launching at that time. So for example, where it started as a women's fashion flash sale business, it then quickly expanded into new categories like men's Mm -hmm. um, flash sales, home, kids, Guilt City, which was the experiences business. And then I got to think about what else should we have product-wise that we don't currently have. The iPhone uh, was just coming into its own, and so got to really launch all the mobile apps. Um, And a funny side story there was at the time, the leadership didn't really want to prioritize an iPhone app, so kind of partnered with the engineering team to do it on a stealth basis. And then once it launched, everyone's like, oh, I'm so glad I had that great <laughs> idea. It's, it's now really successful. So, yeah, you couldn't thank me for that. Uh, that was, that was you know, the a common yeah. uh, phrase. I think, you know, we always talk about how running a company and starting a company, it's like you have no clue what you're getting into. Yeah. And if someone told us, Everyone told us how hard it was going to be, and we didn't listen. Um, and I think we had this kind of. We also didn't understand. Right. And people are like, "It's really hard." You're like, "No one's saying specifically what's right. really hard." But you knew to some degree, right? Like you were at Guild in earlier days. You had startup experience, and you were crazy enough to then do it again on your own, being a founder. Like, what was that thought process like? 
Well, the the thing that I got to do at Guilt, which was ultimately the best preparation for for launching my own startup at Zola, was that I got to pitch and then got the green light to launch and run Guilt Taste, which was the food and wine mm-hmm. business unit. And that was ultimately like launching a new business within the safety net of a larger startup of Guilt. And the thing that I learned there was it was like it was as hard as a startup is but it i also had to to learn the hard way that ultimately the business model of guilt taste did not work out and for many reasons that i had to let some of the team go not because they had underperformed but because the business was not able to support them and that was probably still the toughest day that I've ever had in my career to date. And it made me realize at Zola that nothing could ever be that hard as as that day. And I wanted to do whatever I could to avoid getting into a similar kind of situation where I was launching and running a business that ultimately did not work. And so the thing that that started to make me think about a few years later when I was thinking about Zola was not just how can we create an experience of a wedding registry that is fundamentally better, that is what people love and want to use, but also how how do we create a business model that it works, that is sustainable, that is ultimately profitable and able to support and grow this entire team. What are, how is your employees describe you? What are you like as a leader? And I will say I'm friends with some of them, so don't lie. <laughs> uh, so I think the first word that I have heard in feedback that I've gotten is that I'm, I tend to be a pretty calm person. And some people say that I am. You know, my, my manner is that I'm so relaxed that sometimes it seems like I'm not worried about okay. what they're telling me. I think me. you're our polar opposite in life. I was going to no say, has wow. ever said that <laughs> yeah. to us. I'm like, what's that like? <laughs> yeah, tell me more. What is that? What do you do? <laughs> so so what do you, like, are you a relaxed person or is that just the demeanor that you put off, the vibe you give? Well, I think part of it is I'm Australian. And so <laughs> <laughs> Australians in general. So just the Vegemite yeah. just really making you <laughs> relax. We are relaxed people. We like to... You know, watch sport. Have fun. Go to the beach. Yeah. So we're screwed. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think part of starting your own company to that point is like the mentality of you have so many things going on at once. Mm-hmm. How do you stay sane? And how do you stay sane without – do you have a co-founder? Yes. Okay. So how, how do you guys stay sane together, separately? Um what do you do that lets you run a business and scale it? Yeah, what, well, I, one of the best things that, uh, one of the best decisions that I ever made was having Nobu as my co-founder at Zola. And the reason it's turned out to be an, such a rewarding decision is because we had worked together before, we had chosen to work together again, and we knew how to to work really well together and we knew what we were each good at and we also share kind of similar passions outside of work so um, what that meant was that when we started the company we could very clearly divide this is what Nobu's responsible for and going to spend his time on and this is what I am going to focus on and as a result there was less 
stress in the What do you spend your time on? (laughs) So I, it's changed over the four Mm -hmm. years that we've been in business. But when we first started, he, his background is, he's an incredible design thinker and he was previously head of the user experience design team at Guild. And so he focused very heavily on what is the user experience, the design, the look and feel, the brand, and the product ultimately of Zola. And then I focused on everything else that we had to worry about to get the company up and running and the product up and running, including the merchandising the, or the products, the, the physical mm-hmm. products we have on the registry, um, the the financing of the company, the hiring of fun- other functions, so everything else. So what are the you know, obviously, it sounds like you give off, and, I, and I've met you know a few times. Like you do give off a very calm demeanor. Um, so I, I was wondering how you did that, but I guess we were just born in the wrong country. But uh, <laughs> but what um, what does stress you? What what keeps you up at night? Like what? And when you are stressed, how do you show that? I so the because my background is in product. I I like to think of things with a product lens, and the things that that I think. Um, uh, that stress me out or that are most important to me to think about are, are we doing the right thing for our users and the right thing for the business and the right thing for employees? And the the right thing for the business is, are we moving fast enough on all the initiatives that we're trying to get out the door? Are we moving fast enough in growing the business are we moving fast enough in hiring enough people or hiring not enough people? Do you micromanage people? the area like in product because that is your background? No. And the reason is I the reason why I don't is because there's so much other things to do and because Nobu is so on top of it mm-hmm. that that's the you know his areas that he has been working on since day one. I know are the things that I need to worry the least about. Mm-hmm. And and over time what has lessened my stress a lot is um, bringing on key people on our leadership team. So as an example of that, two years ago, one of the best things ever was got to bring on a president and COO. Um, Her name is Rachel, and we had worked together as well. Should we hire Rachel? (laughs) So what does Rachel do? (laughs) Yeah, what is her, how did that help your day-to-day? What does a president and a COO mean? What I've found is actually that the definition of what a president and CEO does is different in every mm-hmm. startup. Yeah. And a lot That's of That's what it, I was asking because yeah. I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'll tell you what, what I've seen in just startups generally, which is often it's the things. I'm taking notes too. <laughs> yeah. This is very it's applicable the, advice for us. It's, well, it's frankly things that you might not want to run over the long term yourselves mm-hmm. as founders. What that meant at Zola was as I thought about what are the things that. I am not as good at, that I'm not the best in the world at doing, what it ended up um, coming out as is a lot of the um, internal business operation functions like finance and accounting or merchandising, where those were things that I had not run those functions before. And I just knew that it would be kind of crazy to think I'm the best in the world at running them compared to someone who has done it for years, has crushed it for years, mm-hmm. and could bring a whole new level of discipline in those functions to Zola. One thing that you said, which I thought was really well said, um, was when you said, you know, you make decisions best up, based off of what's best for the business, the users, and the employees. Mm-hmm. How do you handle when those things don't line up? 
Like, how do you have those conversations? What is right for the business is sometimes not right for all of the employees, or that's a really hard decision to make. Who do you go to to help think through those things when they come up? We end up having very healthy debates on the leadership team. And I think the, the thing that has been invaluable in those debates is that we have tried to ingrain in our culture that it's healthy to disagree, but at the end of that debate, we will debate healthily, we will challenge each other, we will push back, but then we will commit to a decision and move forward together as a group. And so you have like a safe word. You're like, <laughs> from this point on, yeah. anything. Is it registering? Yeah. <laughs> So I think I figured out why Medford stopped sleeping in my bed for a little while. Uh, for our listeners, Medford is Danielle's dog, not her significant other. That, <laughs> that's true, and I probably wouldn't be talking about that <laughs> here. Thank you for clarifying that. But I think that Medford is a very privileged dog. I would say that is a very nice way to put that. <laughs> she She's wonderful. She's a perfect mini golden doodle, but she's very particular about where she sleeps and our, our former sheets were scratchy and uncomfortable, and Medford did not approve. I think that's I my just theory. I just want to acknowledge that this is what happens when you give the dog everything the dog wants. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that after I switched out my bedding and upgraded to parachute sheets, Medford returned. She jumped on the bed. She very much approves. She really likes it. I don't really know what it means that Medford and I have the same sheets. I don't know what it says about either of us, but we do have the same sheets. I love my parachute. Um, would you say that Medford likes them because they're good for the dog days of summer? Oh, I see what you did there. I think Thank it you. means <laughs> that um, you have good taste. Um, I also very much enjoy my parachute robe, as do you. I do. Uh, there are many things that we like about parachute because it's soft, it's easy to wash, and it's very comfortable. So visit parachutehome.com slash skim for free shipping and returns on parachutes, very comfortable bedding, and bath linens. You should check those out if you haven't. You get free shipping and returns. Mention it again if you go to parachutehome.com slash skim. They offer a 60-day trial, so if you don't love your new stuff, just send it back. But I think you'll like it. Are you different at work than you are at home? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think actually, you know, it's it's so interesting because I don't know if there is a huge difference between the two for me. Mm-hmm. I think there's such a, a blurring between work done at home or being at home. <laughs> Do just... you turn off? Like, are you able to, to disconnect? I try to. And I try to in a number of ways. So I think you asked um, things about de-stressing. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to, I think, personal passion. So one of my personal passions is cooking and food and watching documentaries about food, then going to eat food and then making food and talking about food. <laughs> and that also happens to be a passion for Nobu. So we will <laughs> grab a coffee every afternoon and talk about sometimes Do you business. do it every day? Yeah. That's good. But sometimes we'll talk a lot about food yeah and that's a great distressor yeah and then what the way that that turns into the home life is that there's just a lot of cooking (laughs) (laughs) our problem is that our our favorite thing is wine so when we try to do that every day it becomes an issue it's also sad when people ask us what how do you de-stress like what's your hobby we're both we both say the same thing we're like we both love to sleep and i'm like i really need to find like a real hobby i hear you i love to sleep Um, So a question that I have for you is raising money 
sucks. Like, even when you do it and you go through it, I think anyone is lying when they say it it isn't hard. Um, and I think it's hard at every stage and for different reasons. What was it like pitching this idea about the wedding business to investors that I'm guessing were mainly male VCs? <laughs> It was as painful as you might expect it to be. And every uh, stage of financing that I've been through, there's just been a very unique story. So if I think about um, our Series A or our Series B round, which is probably where I came into, actually every every round past the Series A. Even before raising, so when you left your jobs, like did you guys, were you able to self-fund for a little bit? Did you have to do friends and family? Like how did you even get to the point that you raised a Series A? Nobu and I, when we decided that we wanted to, to leave our jobs and start something together, we actually both went into the two different companies that we were working with at the time and gave notice. And the reason I did that personally was because I knew that I I didn't want to just leave in two weeks the startup that I was working in at that time. I wanted to give the CEO some time to find a replacement. And so I knew there would be Had you left guilt at this point? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so I I said, I'm leaving. I'm not – I'm willing to stay longer than the standard amount Mm -hmm. of time because I don't want to leave you in the lurch. I ended up staying (laughs) for four months um, at the request of the CEO. And and so we were, at that time over those four months, Nobu and I would meet on weekends and start thinking about how might we bring Zola to life. And then once we had actually both left our jobs, um, we were talking to Kevin Ryan, who is Mm -hmm. a mentor and a coach of mine for many years. For he, those who don't know who Kevin is, who is Kevin? Uh, so he is a awesome, multiple-time entrepreneur based here in New York. He was the founder of Guilt Group. He was also the co-founder of Business Insider of MongoDB, which went public recently, um, and and ultimately was the one that said, "I love this idea for Zola." love working with you both. Let's do it together. I'll give you the seed funding. Let's just get started. And so that was unusual. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about it because I actually didn't know that. So what is that like? I mean, it's a big leap. You know, we get asked all the time, like, how did you find your business partner? How did you know you could trust each other? And I think anyone who has a co-founder, it's very hard to explain, but like when it it works, it works and you have this incredible trust. Sounds like you and Nobu have that. What was it like? I mean, we certainly had opportunities along the way to to be incubated by someone else, or um, I would never say like to bring in a, a third co-founder, but people who who early on were like, okay, you haven't raised money yet, like let me get really involved. What made you know like, okay, this is right. This might be a little bit scary, but I'm gonna I'm gonna trust this. Uh, taking the money, taking from- the money, or, or ha- yeah, having one person say like, I'm gonna do this with you. Mm-hmm. So I think it was because we had also, I had worked so closely with Kevin mm-hmm. at Guilt for the last four years, and I knew exactly what it would be like to work with him again. And it's the same with Nobu. And actually, I've found over the course of now working on Zola over the five years is that every time I've worked with someone that I've worked with before, you, it's very predictable and it, the, that predictability and that reduction of risk actually has huge value. So... With Kevin, we I did think about should I consider talking to other people that we could get this money from. I had a couple of very preliminary discussions, but it kept coming back to 
Kevin is one of the most amazing entrepreneurs and thinkers I have ever met. And every time I speak to him, I learn something new and I'm so inspired and he forces me to think differently about things. And so what why would I what would I ever give up mm-hmm. this opportunity for? And here he is wanting to work with us, wanting to to just get us started. This is a really rare and special opportunity. Was having that name of someone that was a serial entrepreneurial entrepreneur helpful in getting past the you're starting a company based off of weddings, which if you haven't raised money before, it's tough enough doing something in the wedding industry, from what I've heard, seems to be a very uphill battle. Yeah, I think it definitely got our foot in the door in some of the meetings in the earlier rounds, absolutely. So that was a huge advantage for us to be even to get that first meeting and get it very quickly and easily. And and then I think at, at each subsequent round, what it comes down to then is what is the business and who is the team that is working on the business 24-7. And, and certainly you know, people will still make those assumptions around weddings, which is VCs don't like the weddings industry as a category to What's the most in. ridiculous story that happened when you were fundraising <laughs> and talking to people about kind of a, obviously a female-centric industry to a male-centric audience? I'll always remember I was in one Silicon Valley meeting with probably about 12 guys, all men over the age of 50. And I was talking about how couples getting married today don't want the same things that their mothers or grandmothers use for their registry. And one of the investors looked me in the eye and he said, I mean, I know that my wife and I registered like 20 years ago, but she seemed perfectly fine with our registry at that time. Are you sure that women today want anything different? And I just didn't even know how to start to respond to that because would any investor ever say that about anything else Mm -hmm. that we have in technology? Would you say, oh, I was fine with my photo sharing capabilities 20 years ago. (laughs) Why would anyone want to share photos differently today? Or like, I really like taking notes on paper. That seemed really good. Like, I mean, let's go all the way back. I like to like mail things in the post to people. Why would I want? Yeah. So So I, I think that, you know, when people come to us for advice a lot about like, I've got this idea and it's in a crowded space, um, you know, we always, our advice to them is like, figure out how you're different. Like, what's your competitive advantage? The wedding industry is a crowded space. Like, we have had a lot of friends that have tried to start different things and, and for different components of the wedding business. What makes you guys different? How, how did you fi- figure out your niche? And obviously, you've built an empire and are building an empire. So how did you do that? So in retrospect, yeah. what I realized... Um, was the right thing to do was that we not only thought about how do we innovate on behalf of the user, on behalf Mm -hmm. of couples getting married and their guests going to their weddings and build a product experience that just met those needs exactly. We did that, but and, and certainly other people do that in different categories in weddings. But the important addition to that is that we also figured out how we innovate on the business model. And what I mean by that is that we saw in the wedding space, it is actually very hard to create a business model that works. What we've seen traditionally is that we'll have media companies in weddings, which is 
is not huge because in the wedding space, you only have 2 million couples getting married every year. So that's never going to be a huge media advertising business. And, and then on the other alternative, you have people who build cool apps or products to solve one particular need in wedding planning, but then they try to charge users for that. And, and people don't really want to pay for the use of mm-hmm. a product because it should be free. And we hadn't seen anyone approach the industry through the business model that we did, which was through a hybrid of an e-commerce and a marketplace business model applied to registry. So it was the first time that we'd seen that. Uh, and we we really, I'm proud that we pioneered that at Zola. And I think because of those that combination of both user-facing innovation and business model innovation is why we were able to take the industry. So if I were listening to your story, I would be like, okay, wow, this woman is really impressive. She she had a very clear skill set, Got worked at like the hottest company at the time, honed that, found our business partner, then found the right person to invest and like built this empire and like found, you know, the perfect business model. Obviously, we we know like it is really, really effing hard to, to get to where you are today. Who are your mentors? What what are the nine one one calls? What are the categories? What are the things that you're like help? I have no idea what I am doing. I have to say the probably the people that have really gotten me through over the last you know close to five years now that I've been working on Zola is the founders who are in the trenches at, on their own businesses, and so while they're certainly you know, advisors mm-hmm. or investors or people I respect who I will call from time to time to ask them a specific question of advice. The people that help get me through the 24-7 grind of a startup. Anyone you want to name? <laughs> um, well, so I, you know, here are the, the founders that I admire. Um, certainly Katrina Lake, mm-hmm. Stitch Fix, um, the, the founder, founders of Lola, mm-hmm. um, you you Thank both. You. Thank you. And I think when I think about just in New York alone, there's like 50 awesome founders, and many of the awesome founders are, happen to be women, who are just in the trenches every day gutting it out. I know that I can call or email mm-hmm. any one of them at any time and just... It's, it's like the vent. emotional support group. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, last question. What is the wedding gift we should give someone? What is the top requested? What's the most popular thing people put on their list? What do you think it is? I was going to say it was like the Vitamix a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people like Honeymoon Fun. Yeah, Mm. I think that's it now. So I thought when I was first starting Zola that actually the most popular gift would be either a Honeymoon Fund or a a cool experience. Mm -hmm. It has actually still the KitchenAid stand mixer. Oh, I was close. That's <laughs> yes. a good one. I was close. Yes. That is good. And it comes in such different colors. Yeah. People yeah. love it. You know what else people love is a waffle maker. Oh. Who knew everyone was having so many waffles? I, I did know that. I love it. waffle. I do like waffles. Although someone, we got someone a, a waffle maker and they said, you got me that gift I never used. So. <laughs> well, everyone has that, apparently. Yeah. Shan, thank you so much. Uh, and really happy to know a, a, a fellow female founder in New York who is uh, very much in the trenches like we are. So yes. uh, happy to have a new friend. Congratulations on everything. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.